Hebrews chapter 12 and note the point that the writer is making. And let's just think for a minute about this New Testament exhortation. Begin with me in verse 14. The writer said, Pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance or for a change of mind, though he sought it diligently with tears. First thing I want to do is talk about our spiritual birthright. Acknowledging our spiritual birthright. When, when you look at the Jewish people, one of the things that they prided themselves on was their genealogy. And if you read the book of John, you can see that in Jesus' discussion with the Jewish people of his day. And they took great pride in their descendancy from Abraham. And so when you talk about a birthright and you talk about the family line or the family tree, that was very important to the Jewish people. Well, from a spiritual perspective, our birthright ought to be of utmost importance. It ought to be something very special to us. So what about this Christian birthright? Let me begin by talking about our relationship to the Lord. We are born into the family of God. Do you remember when Jesus talked to Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Nicodemus was a ruler among the Jewish people. And the Bible says that he came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi or teacher, we know that, you, that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs, the miracles that you're doing unless God be with him. Jesus then said, Verily, verily, I say to you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thought Jesus was talking about a physical birth. Jesus had in mind a spiritual birth. And so Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus then said, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And then he goes on to say, you must be born again. So we are born into the family of God. How are we born into the family of God? We're baptized into Christ. When we are baptized into Christ, then we acknowledge God as our Father. We are said to be the children of God, the sons of God. Do you remember what John said in 1 John chapter 3? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God or the children of God. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 at verse 9. We have the model prayer. And Jesus said, Our Father which art in heaven. That includes us. From the vantage point, we are his disciples. And God is our Father. And so by way of our spiritual birthright, first and foremost, we're born into the family of God. And having been born into the family of God, we are the children of God, the sons of God. And he is our heavenly father. And as our heavenly father, he is more than willing to hear our prayers. Solomon said in the long ago in the book of Proverbs that God delights in the prayers of the upright. 
to know that you and I, we have the ear of Almighty God. Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open under their prayers or supplications. And so we have the opportunity to communicate with God, to voice our needs, our wants, our concerns, our anxieties, our heartaches and sorrows. Whatever comes our way, we can take that to the throne of God. Why? Because he's our father. Those of us who are older and those of you who are younger, you understand that when something happens in life and you're living with your mama and daddy, you can go to them, you can talk to them. And as a mama or a daddy, typically they listen, don't they? Well, God our Father hears us. He has our best interest at heart. The Bible says, casting all your care on him for he cares for you. Whatever cares, whatever problems, whatever troubles my son may have or our son may have, to include Nancy, whatever problems he might ever have, I would hope and pray that he would feel like he could come to us and talk to them, talk to us and share his concerns, his hurts or disappointments or whatever comes his way. By the same token, that's a privilege that we have as a child of God. And then... The fact that God forgives our sins. Whatever is in the past is indeed in the past. The Hebrew writer talks about it in chapter 8, verse 12. The blessings of the covenant under which we now live. He said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. To know that God the Father is a loving God and a forgiving God. When you look back at history and you began to read and study about some of the pagan deities of days gone by. The perception by the people of that pagan deity, he's an angry God. Well, God is depicted as a being of love. John said God is love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. He is a God of mercy, Ephesians 2 at verse 4. He is a God of compassion, and the list goes on and on. But to know that God forgives us, that he makes it possible for us to enjoy a continued relationship with him, an ongoing relationship as his children. And then I would suggest that as a child of God, by way of our relationship to him, we are said to be heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. When you think about your Christian inheritance, what comes to mind? Did you know that as a child of God, you have an inheritance that is awaiting you? Those of us in this life, in this world, we understand what it means to receive an inheritance at the death of a loved one, a family member, a friend, or whomever. But to know that as a child of God, we have an inheritance Peter said, it's incorruptible, it's undefiled, it fades not away, and it's reserved in heaven for you. That's a tremendous blessing. And that's afforded us because of our spiritual birthright, because of the relationship that we sustain with Almighty God. But then there is a requirement by the Lord. Look again at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Two things here, peace and purity. 
The writer said, pursue peace with all men. Have you ever thought about how important it is to live in peace? Paul talks about it in the book of Romans, how we are to live peaceably with all men. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about how sometimes, sadly, gospel preachers will be asked to leave a congregation. And rather than leave with dignity and their head held high, and to leave on good terms, they burn bridges. They destroy the peace and the harmony and unity that exists within a congregation. Don't think for a minute that God is going to let that pass. The Bible says that we are to be at peace with all men. The writer here said that without peace, we will not see the Lord. This friend of mine said that were he an elder, under circumstances like that, he would call the preacher in and just say, fella, do you understand what Proverbs chapter 6 says? That one of the things that God hates, those who sow discord among brethren, let me tell you what, it is a serious offense to disrupt the peace, harmony, and unity of a congregation. And woe be to the person who is a church wrecker. They have blood on their hands. But then the idea of holiness. We have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, set apart under the service of Almighty God. We are to live a holy life. Peter would say, be holy, just as God in heaven is holy. Did you know that there is a standard of conduct that is required by the Lord? That the Lord expects us to live above the world? Do you remember what Paul said in Titus chapter 2? The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to every man, instructing us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. To live a godly life as opposed to an ungodly life. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Matthew 5, verse 8. Peace and purity are requirements in order for us to be in good standing with the Lord. But I want you to think with me in the second place about abandoning that spiritual birthright. And really, that's what the writer here is saying. Do not, under any circumstances, abandon your spiritual birthright. I guess the question that I would have to people that are thinking about selling out, selling their birthright or giving it up, my question would be why? When you look at all the blessings and favors that we enjoy in Christ and you think about how rich we are as members of the body of Christ, why would you want to leave that? And sometimes individuals have the idea that once you become a child of God, you can never fall away. But back in the book of Numbers in chapter 14, God said, in reference to the children of Israel, do you remember when God sent out the spies to survey the promised land? 
Ten of those spies came back and they gave an unfavorable report. Joshua and Caleb, however, they gave a favorable report. They had the idea, look, we can go in and take the land. Well, Paul said a little leaven leavens a whole lump. Those ten spies influenced the children of Israel. They began to murmur and complain and talk about going back to Egypt, as hard as that may be to, to fathom. But nonetheless, God said in about verse 12, I will disinherit them. Why? Because of their lack of faith. And so, by way of application, I think about how as children of God, under no circumstances do we ever want to sell out. There is nothing worth your Christian faith. I would tell that to young and old alike. There is nothing this side of eternity worth your spiritual life in Christ. Let me just share with you some ways that people can sell out and the danger of selling out. But look, if you would, at verse 15 as we think about some of the ways we can sell out. In verse 15, the writer said, looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, and that phrase, root of bitterness, refers basically to an evil man, a corrupt man. And the idea is, here's somebody who by his own error and his corrupt vices influences others. Now, if you look at the book of Hebrews, the problem Christians were being influenced to leave Christianity in favor of Judaism. No doubt they were being influenced heavily by their Jewish friends, maybe family members, whatever, Jewish leaders. And the writer here is saying, listen, do not let anyone undermine your spiritual birthright. Don't let anyone influence you to sell out. He said, lest there be, in, there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. The word profane means ungodly. And that's really what we're talking about here. Somebody who, for whatever reason, accentuates the here and now as opposed to those things that are eternal in nature. Somebody who only lives for the present. It's all about today. No thought for tomorrow. And he talks about Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance or a change of mind, though he sought it diligently with prayers. Again, I would ask the question, as a child of God, why would anyone want to sell his or her birthright? Is it possible that sometimes we minimize the great blessings that we have in Christ? We forget about how rich we are and how much God has done for us. Why do people sell out? And Jesus talked about some of the reasons why people sell out. In Luke chapter 8 at verse 14, in this context, Jesus is talking about the heart and the seed of the kingdom finding a place in that heart. And he said that there are some who allow cares, riches, and the pleasures of life to choke the word. And thus they become unfruitful. 
the world has a strong appeal. The cares of this world, we can get so caught up in the mundane things of life that we forget about what's important. In no way would I minimize our jobs, our family associations, things that are important to us. But it's possible that sometimes we allow the things of life to come between us and the Lord. Riches and money, great blessings. I mentioned Abraham just a minute ago. Abraham was the grandfather of Esau. Abraham was a rich man. Read, read if you would, Genesis chapter 13. Sometimes people allow the riches and wealth of this world to blind them to what's really important in life. Paul said those who are minded to be rich fall into a temptation and snare and many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Sometimes people abandon the faith because of the world, the cares of the world, pleasures, riches, the list goes on and on. And then there are some people that sell out because of what I would call false doctrine. When you read the book of Hebrews and you begin to think about these Hebrew Christians, individuals that have obeyed the gospel, they have come out of Judaism. And there are a lot of people that have, have difficulty understanding the purpose of the Jewish race, the nation of Israel. Why did God choose Israel? Because he's God. Why did God, why did God make a promise to Abraham? And that through his lineage, the Christ would come. Well, ultimately, God needed the seed line, didn't he? God needed the Jewish people to bring the Messiah into the world. They accomplished that purpose. Paul would say in Romans chapter 10 at verse 4 that Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness. In other words, Jesus was the aim of the law. The Jews should have known that. But here are people in the first century and they're saying what you need to do is go back to Judaism. There were some that were going back to Judaism. And the writer here is saying, why go back to an inferior system? The sacrifices that were made under that old covenant, under the Mosaic dispensation, even under the, period, under the patriarchal period, they were repetitive sacrifices. They didn't have the ability, as the writer would say, to take away sin. But through Jesus, sin is forgiven in the most absolute sense of the word. And so, some were being sold a bill of goods that, that was false. Paul talks about Hymenaeus and Philetus in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He said, men who concerning the truth have erred or wandered, teaching that the resurrection is already past. And listen to what he said and they overthrow the faith of some. Here's somebody that's got a Christian birthright. They are a child of God. God is their father. They've been forgiven. They enjoy all these spiritual blessings, and yet they're sold a bill of goods that's false, and they leave the faith. And then there is another way that I believe we could sell our birthright. 
and that is through apathy or indifference. I was thinking this afternoon about this point, and this is just my opinion, but it might be the case that indifference or apathy is the greatest threat to New Testament Christianity with the exception of the world. And the world ultimately can play a part in apathy. Read Revelation chapter 3 when the Lord surveyed the church at Laodicea. Here were saints, members of the church, Christians, but they had become complacent, indifferent, lethargic, apathetic. Those are synonymous terms. And Jesus said, I wish you were either cold or hot. So then because you're neither cold nor hot but lukewarm, I will do what? I will spew you out of my mouth. I think really what the Lord's saying is it's a repulsive thing in his eyes to see somebody who says, I'm a child of God, but that is indifferent, apathetic. Take, for example, the church at Sardis in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 and following. They had a great reputation in town as a matter of fact, Jesus said, you have a name that you're alive. But you know what Jesus said? You're dead. What was the problem? Indifference? Apathy? Here's the bottom line. As, as Christians, we have been richly blessed. We have a birthright that brings great blessings we are, as Paul said in Romans 8, verse 17, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Because of, who, because of the one, the very one you belong to, suggests you've got something far greater than anything this world could ever offer. I like what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Did you know that God in heaven has placed a premium on your eternal soul. There is nothing in this life worth your soul, not one thing. So, could I encourage you, could I encourage all of us to honor our Christian birthright, to be faithful, to live in such a way so that we bring honor and glory to Almighty God. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for this day, for the opportunity to be together as your people. We're thankful for all the blessings and favors that we enjoy in Christ. We're grateful for our birthright. We're thankful that you are our God, that you are our Father, and that you love us. We're thankful that Jesus died for our sins. And Father, we understand and acknowledge that sometimes we're not what we ought to be, and we ask that you would forgive us, that you would enable us to see what's really important in this life. And help us to realize the vast riches that we have in Christ and live to bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, could I encourage you to come to Christ? Believing that Jesus is the Son of God, do what they did on Pentecost Day. Repent and be baptized. The Bible says if you'll do that, you'll enjoy the forgiveness of your sins. Acts 2 verse 38. And God will add you to the church. Acts 2 47. And the promise is that if you're faithful unto death, you will have that crown of life, the Stephanos, the victor's crown. 
If you're here tonight, maybe your life is not what it ought to be, could I encourage you? Could I encourage you to make some changes? Could we pray with you and for you? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come as we stand and sing.